This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. I'm going to dive right in because we have a lot to talk about on today's episode, and it's going to be a little shorty, a little impactful, but short episode here. I want to start off by telling you about something that happened last week in my personal life, like up close and personal here. I went to get a cute little piercing on my ear lobe. It's my third one up, so I've got my main ones and then two others. And I've been thinking about getting this for far too long. Finally, bit the bullet, went in, got it. Absolutely love these little third piercings. They were pretty irritated right from the start, though. They were a little angry, but I love them so much that I was taking care of them, waiting for them to heal. And then I was getting in the car one day, and somehow I managed to kind of like bang one side with the car door It was like a murder scene. Um, The earring was still in for sure, but there was a lot of blood. I mean, it was not ideal. After that, that ear got a little bit swollen, as could be expected. And then a couple days later, the swelling, the pain went away. I was like, great, it's healed. It sorted itself out. A few days later, you know, as I was cleaning the back... I realized that the back had fallen off the earring and it was like the stem of the earring had, you know, it was like halfway through my ear basically, but I couldn't push the stem through. I was like, shoot, my earring hole has grown in right now in the last couple of days since I noticed that the backing had fallen off. So I carry on throughout the day. I get Scott to look at it at night. He can't push the earring through either. So this is a pain. I actually didn't want to let him hang around my ear too long because I was like, this guy's going to push it through. I know he's going to be way more aggressive than one of my girlfriends would be. So I drove to my friend Shay's house and I got her to look at it. And she goes, Aaron, the backing of your earring is in your earlobe. It has been sucked through the small hole and it is now in the earlobe. The backing wasn't a butterfly backing. It was like a disc kind of. And so this disc, I guess when my ear got so swollen, somehow got swallowed up by my freaking ear and it was in there. So we couldn't push the earring through and we couldn't pull it out. At this point, I shared this on Instagram in my stories. And here's what's interesting. I received over 30 messages from people saying that this exact same thing had happened to them either in their childhood or with one of their daughters or with themselves. And then they all proceeded to tell me that they had to have it surgically removed. 
So it wasn't actually that painful at this point, but I also didn't want my ear to heal around this foreign object that's now embedded in my ear. So it was a holiday. I ended up going to urgent care just because I I figured that would be the, the fastest place to be able to look at it. Turns out because it was a holiday, it was not fast at all, and it was going to be about a six-hour wait. So I waited for two hours. Then I saw a nurse who said, yeah, we need to cut that thing out, but you won't be able to see a doctor for four hours. I said, see ya, I'm out of here. Who has six hours to spend in urgent care? It's not like I'm dying. So I called the piercing place. They're like, come in here. We've seen this before. We can definitely get it out, and we can probably save the earring. So I pack up the kids in the car. We drive down to Majuri. The girl who pierced my ears is there. She's the nicest person ever. And she's like, we don't have freezing, but we are going to get this thing out. I'm going to try and push it out. And if we can't, then we'll do a little cut. Two cuts later and a lot of pulling and a lot of blood. And my two kids are there. So I have to act all cool and pretend this is totally normal and I'm a-okay. The back of the earring is out. She was going to put it back in with a larger stem so that if they're swelling, it doesn't happen again. But after looking at my ear, she was like, "Mm, I really think we've got to let the swelling go down before we try this again. So I've got an appointment next Friday to get it back in. Scott's vote is absolutely do not put that earring back in your ear. You're crazy. I'm curious to know what you would do. This earring piercing situation wasn't cheap because I had to get a higher quality metal, aka gold, because my ears are sensitive to different metals and gold seems to be the one that works for my ears, of course. So it's not just about the money. I just like really love that third piercing. So I'm trying to decide whether to do it. There's still a big bump on the back of my ear and... Um, <laughs> I don't know. What would you do? Does anybody understand my need to go get it done again? And then, okay, so furthermore, we have a trip to Mexico coming up in a month. My best friend Cleo is getting married in Puerto Vallarta. Very excited for this. I have booked a wax appointment. I had booked a nail appointment. I was thinking about getting lashes so they don't have to put mascara on. Obviously, I don't have to put mascara on. And it got me thinking a little bit about all of these practices because I was thinking about, you know, if I get lashes put on, the struggle is it looks fine in the moment. Actually, not even sure if I love that look anymore, but it looks good in the moment. It saves me time in the moment. But then afterwards, my lashes are usually pretty thinned out and I don't have a lot of lashes to begin with. And then I thought about the nails and I for the first time in my life, actually have healthy, strong nails right now. It's a combination of meditating. I stopped getting shellac on my fingers because I found that every time I would get shellac, I would pick it off and then it would thin my nails. And I've just been using lots of cuticle oil. And anyways, they're finally looking gorgeous. If I get my nails done with shellac or false tips, which I think looks amazing, when I take it off, my quality of my nails won't be as strong anymore. It kind of wrecks them. It got me thinking about so many of these beauty practices that we partake in, especially as women, and the fact that they offer these temporary enhancements of different areas of our body, whether it's our eyebrows or eyelashes or coloring our hair, but often it also leaves the original version 
a bit tampered with, a little bit destroyed. When we think about hair extensions, I mean, has anyone had hair extensions where you eventually take them out and your regular hair has been sort of stripped and pulled and shredded? So I don't know. It just got me thinking. We spend all these this money to enhance what we have, and in doing so, it kind of wrecks what we do have. So I'm not getting lashes, I've decided, and I'm just going to do... Nail Envy, which is what I've been using on my nails. It's a nail polish that helps strengthen the nails. On my nails, I'm going to leave them as is. I'm still going to wax because I just don't want to deal with that down there, if you know what I mean. And I am also going to do an all-natural fake tan, like not in a tanning booth, but I think I'm going to try something called Luna Bronze. I don't know if anybody's used it before. I've seen them on Instagram 500 times. I'll let you know how that goes. And I'll let you know if when I do it, I find that it leaves my skin better than before or if it's the same sort of thing where you're left with a less than version of what you started with. I don't know if any of this makes sense, but just think about it. Think about the products that we purchase for beauty that we spend money on that offers an enhancement Is it caring for and nourishing us or is it ultimately kind of leaving us worse than before so that we then have to spend more money and time and energy on these things? I'm not saying I'm never getting my nails done again or lashes done again. I'm just pondering out loud and bringing you into my mind and the things that keep me up at night. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best 
friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Okay, for today's episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to take you behind the scenes of one of our Raw Beauty Reset calls. We had our first Raw Beauty Reset call with Caitlin Bristow. Last week, we have the most amazing group of women in this program right now. I've pulled a couple of pieces from the call. Obviously, we can't give you access to the full thing, but a couple of pieces that really stood out to me, something that Caitlin said in regards to body image that I wanted to share that seemed to really hit home for a lot of people. We're also going to talk about the viral Instagram post that she did and the hate that she got on it, you know, some of the messages that she received from trolls. This was a post that touched on the idea that we are more than our appearance and people, well, I would say 98% of people were super supportive of the messaging and of Caitlin and 2% went after her because she's had Botox and done some fillers and lips. So A few people were like, how are you the one to give this message right now when clearly you're altering your appearance? So we're going to dive into that and you'll get to hear her thoughts on that, my thoughts on that. And then I'm also going to answer a few questions that were brought up on the call that I think could also support everybody who's tuned into the podcast as well. So this will give you a little taste of what the coaching calls are like and how we spend our time over the eight weeks together. Obviously, these live coaching calls are paired with the Raw Beauty Reset online modules and our Facebook group as well. Let me know what you think. Let's start off by hearing about this brilliant analogy that Caitlin brought to the beginning of the call that I think will really help everyone as we continue to work towards optimal health and wellness, whatever way that looks for your unique body. What I like to use as an analogy is the first time I bought a house, I thought you buy a house and look at you, you've got a house and now you just sit back and you don't have to do any work. And it's great because you bought a house. And then it turns out there's something to do every single day and a project that needs to be worked on. And it's just an ongoing project. And I started thinking of myself and my body as my home and it's where I live and it's who I am. And every day is going to be an ongoing project. And some days are going to look a lot different than others. And I'm going to go through times where nothing like feels like I need to work on. I'm like, wow, I'm doing great. And I could go the next day and go, oh, a lot of things are coming up for me and I'm triggered in this way. So I like to think of myself as my home and an ongoing project every single day. So yes, I'm in a much different place today than I was years ago with certain struggles that I've had, but those feelings don't go away and it's just a constant journey. So I grew up in a ballet environment and dancing and in a mirror every day with other girls. And we were told what our bodies were supposed to look like to be a successful dancer. My mom was a professional ballerina. 
she struggled with the same thing because it was even further back in her day where it was like girls were eating cotton balls to fill their stomach and not gain weight. And she learned from a young age, like, well, whatever you got to do to have the body, that's your profession. That's what you have to do. And without knowing it, she kind of projected things onto myself and my sister when it came to eating or body dysmorphia or struggles in that whole area. So it's definitely been something that I wasn't really fully aware of until I don't know, being, I've always just been a really open book. So I think being able to talk to friends or being able to talk to my mom about it and her admitting that that was a struggle and she didn't know how wrong it was and her doing her own work and working with Aaron as well. So to this day, I am now just fully aware of what I need to be thinking about every day and how I look at exercise, how I look at food, how I look at my body, the power of, you know, working on yourself and changing how you speak about yourself goes a very long way. And I think now, what was I 27? I would say when I first started doing some like therapy and work on myself and started realizing things. And now I'm 37. So 10 years of literally looking at myself in the mirror and going from like, I hate what I see. And this is, you know, I'm supposed to look like this and I see this supermodel and this magazine. And then I worked on myself and then you go on TV and then it's like, well, your appearance becomes part of your job. And then that's really hard to navigate of, you know, what you're supposed to look like. So I really had to do the work again over and over and over again. And I've realized that I'm just going to have to do this work all the time and that's okay. It's beautiful work, especially when you can have someone like yourself in this community to do it with. So where I'm at now is I still have days where I will see a photo of myself and I will be like, oh my gosh, is that what I look like? I had OCD growing up. Symmetry has been a huge thing for me. I think it's part of my dysmorphia. Part of the reason I get Botox, part of the reason I go down that road is because I go, well, I just want it to be symmetric in this. And so every day it's um, a different battle, but relying on, you know, friends and a community and therapy, just it's helped so much, just even this program and yeah, I'm just now at a place where I'm like, I know what makes me feel good. I know that I can look at exercise now instead of doing it to punish my body and be like, well, you ate tacos yesterday. So you better work out today. Like now I'm like, yeah, you freaking eat those tacos and you enjoy it and you work out because mentally it helps you and you feel strong. And like, if you skip a day, who freaking cares? It's just a different path that I'm on. And it's from, you know, all the work that I've done. And I am a rambling mess right now. I I'm love so passionate about this stuff. Rambles. I'm Ugh. obsessed with that house analogy. It resonates yeah. on so many levels because everyone understands in your living environment, you have days where you're like, this place is dialed and you've got your candles on and it's yeah. all tidy. And then you have days where you're like, it's a shit show in here. Yeah. It's, under I mean, there's always going to be areas okay. that are under construction, whether it's yeah. your relationship with food and your body, yeah. your mental health, your physical well-being. I think sometimes we have this idea in the realm of health and wellness that there's this peak that we need to get to. Yeah. And if we just get there, if we just hit that goal weight that we have, or, you know, we just exercise consistently enough, or we just eat that right combination yep. of foods, we'll land at that peak. And it's not really when you start to dig deeper about hitting that weight or eating things perfectly or getting into that gene size, it's about the feelings that yeah. we hope or anticipate getting when we reach the peak. Ooh, I just love that. Okay, let's switch gears for a moment here. And we're going to talk a little bit about an Instagram post and TikTok that Caitlin shared 
earlier last week and some of the feedback that she received for it. So press pause in the episode. I want you to scroll down to the show notes, click the link that will take you to the Instagram post. I know this is a big ask because I'm asking you to leave this current platform. Maybe you're driving. You can't watch it now. That's fine. Watch it later. And maybe because sometimes people are doing things right now, I'll just give you a little bit of a visual of what the post was all about. So it started off with Caitlin not wearing any makeup, you know, just bare-faced, the camera's close to her face, and she begins to write words onto her face that people have said to her. So things like too skinny, plastic, old, and fake. And then there's a song, I don't know what the song is called, but it's like all I'm asking is for a little respect. I'm not going to try and sing it right now, won't do that to you. So she says that all I'm asking is for a little respect. And then she swipes and we get into a montage of her doing all the incredible things she does in this world, making people laugh on her podcast, connecting with her audience on her tour and in stores around North America, her cuddling with her dogs and meditating. There's images of her lifting weights at the gym and enjoying pizza with Jason, doing TikTok dances, you know, just some of the things that really make Caitlyn shine. And the message of the post was, you are more than your appearance. Whether I have fillers, whether I have some Botox, whether I'm short or big or skinny or too this or too that, too much, too little, whatever it is. I am more than the way that I look. Here are some of the ways that I'm showing up in the world. And even if I wasn't doing all of these things, I would still be enough. And so, so many people were just incredibly supportive of this post. And some people had some other things to say. I asked Caitlin how she felt in reading those comments. And here's what she said. I thought it was so interesting on that awesome post that you did a couple of days ago, KB, that like 98% of people were so supportive mm-hmm. and just, you know, lifting you up and really felt that post. And then there were 2% of people who were like, what, what, how can you be talking about your insecurities and sending mm-hmm. this message of you are more than your appearance when you've had things like Botox and yeah. fillers and So what was your reaction to that and to those comments? Well, I knew that was going to happen. I was actually surprised it was only like 2% (laughs) because (laughs) I knew that those comments were coming and they were definitely in my DMs, not in the comments and in other ways. And I knew that was going to happen, but the truth is that they're not (laughs) wrong. That's part of the reason I probably have done Botox, like I said earlier, and done these things is because it's all part of my own insecurities. So when they're saying that, it's like, well... Yeah, I'm, I would have loved to like age naturally and been happy with it. That is part of the journey that I'm on and working on myself. I'm, you know, I'm not 100% confident and I have things that I do that make me, you know, realize that I still have a ways to go with with appearance, but I've been conditioned my whole life to be successful from my appearance and not blaming my parents. My parents were so loving and so incredible, but all the jobs that I took on in my life proved me right. You know, the bartender, the beer cart girl, the auditioning for the good looking girl in a beer commercial. And it made me feel limited to like, that's who I am. And I've just realized after all the work that that's 
like we always say, the least interesting thing about me. So I knew those comments were coming, but I tried to take them as like, yeah, you're not wrong. (laughs) You're not wrong, but also your message of you are more than your looks is whether you have fillers, whether someone has implants, whether someone is small, whether someone is tall, whether someone is curvier, whether someone like we are more than our appearance. And the reality is that we're spending so much time thinking about our own bodies, thinking about the bodies of others, judging other women based on what they do with their body, what they wear or they don't wear or how they show up. I love it. I think you clapped back to one person and said, honestly, if I didn't do this stuff, people would be telling me I looked old. They would be saying that I was, you know, this, that, and the other thing, like people are always going to have something to say or something to talk about. So yeah. And it's usually about our appearance, which is interesting. I I find that the people, you know, out there that if they're going to choose to say something, their only thing to attack is appearance a lot of times when it's trolls. And I know that some people are like, well, I don't have trolls, so I don't know how to relate to that. But (laughs) I think, (laughs) I think the main thing here is that like, even Jason's mom said to me, she goes, oh, don't let those trolls get to you. And I was like, oh, it's not even about that to me. I wasn't like sending a message to the haters. I was just trying to empower other women that were following that are always told you're to this, or you're not enough of this, or you feel this, or they feel like what matters is their appearance. That was my message. It wasn't me just focusing on the 2% that are telling me these things. One thing I've noticed about myself and a lot of other women, to be honest, is that we're really quick to judge not only ourselves, but other women. And I think that the amount of judgment that we hold for other women actually says more about the way we feel about ourselves than whatever that woman is doing. When we have compassion and empathy and love for ourselves, when you're really truly rooted in that, then it's very easy to pass that on and to hold that for other women as well. A lot of people are here listening to this show because they want more self-love. They want more self-compassion. What would it look like for us to give that to others as well? At the end of the day, what Caitlin or any woman decides to do with her body is up to her. And you have the same right too. That's what we've been fighting for as feminists for so long, to have autonomy and choice within our body. When we come to the table with empathy and compassion and curiosity for ourselves and for others, we open the door for more love. And that may sound fluffy and it's like, "Mm, who cares? But really, that is what the world needs more of right now. That is what all of us are hungry for. That is why we're doing all the things that we are doing. You know, when Caitlin makes the decision to get the fillers or whatever it is that she's deciding to do, she is looking for love. And when you decide not to, at some level, you feel more connected to the group that's deciding not to or a a different kind of love for yourself. But at the end of the day, it all comes back to our quest for love and connection and belonging. So while you're working towards, while I'm working towards, while we're working towards a more compassionate, loving approach towards ourselves and towards others, you may still notice 
these things. You may still notice when somebody's had work done or when somebody's doing something different than you or the way that that person appears. And that's okay because noticing is part of being human beings. It's a level of awareness and presence that we actually want in our life. We're going to see things. Thoughts are going to pop up. But noticing and judging are two different things. They both have a different quality to them. Noticing comes from a state of awareness. It's human nature. Judgment comes from a place of ego. That's when that thought pops up and we run with it. Oh, she shouldn't have done that. Why did she do that? This is the problem. She is the problem. I'm the problem. You're the problem. It's a feeling of being better than or more righteous, knowing more. And so when we catch ourselves judging, we can also just notice that, oh, there I am judging again. That's interesting. Okay, let's pull that back again. We don't need to go there. We don't need to have that conversation right now with that person. In my meditation teacher training that is almost done, I have one more week, we talk a lot about right speech, right speech, choosing the words that we speak out loud carefully. So you may notice a thought that comes up about what somebody else is doing. And as you catch that, you have a decision. Am I going to type this out right now? Am I going to speak this into conversation? Am I going to gossip about this? You have a choice as to which words you bring out into the world, and you better believe that those words have an impact, not only on yourself, but on all those around you. So notice, become aware of when we move into a space of judgment, and then invite yourself to come home to a space of more love and more compassion. And really focus on that right speech, noticing what words you're choosing to put out into the world, what you're talking about, what you're focused on. It matters. Okay, let's go into some Q&A from the call. For you both, how did you cultivate the awareness that you were talking negatively to yourself? Because I find that it's so built in. It's hard for me to even catch myself when I'm doing it. And so then I don't think, oh, I should change that because I've already moved on to a million other things. So how is it that you stop yourself in the moment and say like, hey, I should really change how I'm talking about myself right now? Well, a wise lady named Erin once told me, um, she made me write down a hundred things that I loved about myself. And I was like, you've got to be kidding. 100 (laughs) things that I love about myself that felt impossible, but it wasn't, it was possible. And once I started writing those things down, I started reminding myself of them every day. And then when I had those feelings come up, you're just, it's all about awareness. You're just more aware than after you write down a hundred things you love about yourself, you're like, wait, why do I only focus on the things I don't? Why am I talking to myself like this? You're just, your brain shifts into a better place when you acknowledge all the things you do love about yourself. That little homework she gave me that one time really did help me shift my brain to then go back and look at that list of a hundred things that I could easily name about the things I love about myself. You start to just catch yourself more and more when you are focusing more about the things you do love. Love that. Thank you. I would say that the more mindful we become in our life, 
the faster you are to notice those thoughts and to not label them as good or bad, but, oh, interesting, talking smack to myself again. That inner mean girl is back. Of course she's back. I'm in this high stress situation. Haven't been sleeping properly. You know, that looping thought pattern always comes back when I'm in that space. And then from there, as you catch it, we're bringing back a more self-compassionate voice. But as Caitlin said, the first step is awareness. And in everything that we're doing together over the next eight weeks, it's about bringing awareness to the table and practicing non-judgment with whatever we see meeting ourselves wherever we are with kindness and starting to change that inner dialogue. There was one more question that was asked in the group that I didn't have a chance to answer on the call, but I wanted to touch base on anyways. And the question was, how do I deal with it if my partner has completely different eating habits than I do? And it's sometimes triggering for me. This is such a great question because we have all had this experience in one way or another. Maybe you're trying to move your body more or you're wanting to eat more nourishing foods and somebody in your life is kind of on the opposite path. So the first thing I want to remind you is we're not always going to be on the same path as those around us and that is okay. It's actually really normal. But at the same time, it can be really challenging because we're wired for connection and a sense of belonging. It can feel a bit scary to take a path that's different than somebody who's so close to us. So just recognize if a little bit of fear or discomfort or a sense of disconnection is coming up for you. You don't actually have to do anything with that. You can just notice that that fear is coming up and then think a little bit about whether or not it's completely rational. Is it true that if you start practicing some things that are going to elevate your personal wellness, that you will lose this other person, that they will no longer like you? And if it is true, is that a person that you want to have close to you? I know this is a big question, but usually when I ask it, most people are like, no, they won't care. They'll want to support me and they'll be right there for me. So just ask yourself some questions around that. Get curious about it. And then it's really important to remember that what somebody else is doing doesn't actually have an impact on what you are doing. They can't become a barrier to you moving forward and growing in your own life. If you make them the barrier, it's simply a way of you keeping yourself in your own comfort zone. You are making them the excuse. You are making them the reason why you can't continue to grow. And so just recognize that you're doing that. It's a form of self-sabotage. It's really common. We've probably all done it at one time or another. But as we bring some awareness around it, that we're actually just using that person to keep us in our comfort zone, to keep us in a place that's safe, then usually we can bust through that belief system and start moving forward. Now, if this person is bringing a bunch of food into the home that feels really triggering to you because now you're able to see it and it's right there, 
You may want to have a conversation with them where you explain what you're working on and why. And maybe you could come up with some solutions together, like one cupboard is designated for their food, or maybe you're going to ask them not to offer you that food five times in a row, that if you say no thank you, that you mean no thank you. And then you're going to continue doing the work yourself. You're going to continue looking inward. You're going to continue practicing the tools that we talk about on this podcast and in the reset and in the anxiety toolkit. You're going to keep doing your work to continue healing. And eventually, as those foods become less triggering and as you learn to cope with emotions differently, you'll find that they can be around you without you being in reaction to them. At first, you may get triggered, and that's okay. That's completely part of the process that we're navigating, and it's inevitably going to happen. What we want is to have some awareness around what's triggering us, what's making us more susceptible or more vulnerable to those cravings or to those triggers, and then we move from there. I hope that helps a little bit. This has been a really fun episode for me. I would love to know if you found it helpful, if you enjoyed getting that little sneak peek into what goes on in the reset. Our next reset will be happening at some point in January, so keep that in the back of your mind if you enjoyed this and want more. All right, everyone, I hope you have a great week. Take what resonated with you from this episode, leave the rest behind, and get after it. Have a beautiful week. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.